0: South of the border Down Mexico way That's where I fell in love When the stars above came out to play And now as I wander, <laughs> My thoughts ever stray South of the border Down Mexico way Hello there!
1: You are listening to the quarter to three movie podcast for the Counselor. My name is Tom Chick, and to discuss Counselor with you,
2: I am joined by Christian Marinsky. Uh, just call me uh, What's His Face. I'm that guy that Mickey Rourke said whatever to.
3: Did you know that that was a William? That was a William Hurt reference, wasn't it? <laughs> I saw it as a Lawrence Kasdan reference. And with our The Counselor tagline, we have
1: Kelly Wan. Uh, Just don't
3: pay other people's parking tickets.
1: I guess that's one way to look at it. Hold that thought, Kelly Wan, because before we spoil anything about The Counselor, maybe you haven't seen it. uh, We don't want to ruin anything in case you you plan to see it. Um, Let's talk briefly. I want to plug 30 Days of Horror. I've been watching a metric ton of horror movies. Uh, which isn't anything unusual, but I'm doing an entry about them every day. Uh, Kelly Wand, do you know that The Shining kind of holds up in a weird
3: way? Wait, I thought you didn't like it. it. I thought I
1: didn't either. Hmm. That's crazy. Hmm. Dingus is now the odd man out on the podcast who doesn't appreciate The Shining. Do you know what Dingus told I, it's Kelly It's that I don't appreciate it. It's that I think it's horrible. Right, and and Dingus hmm. actually told me, Kelly Wand, that he
3: thought Shelley Duvall was terrible in it. Hmm. She's just playing the hand she's dealt by Kubrick. They didn't like each other. They got it. But I mean, Stephen King's issue with it is the... oh, no one cares. No one cares about Stephen King's issue with the The,
1: the Shining. <laughs> well, that he's too. no too, one cares. Eh. No one cares. Tabitha does. <laughs> Who's Tabitha? He does. That little witch.
2: <clears throat> Tabitha
3: King, his wife. What? He's married. Who married Stephen King? Tabitha, the chick at Small World, where they get exactly. shrunk. See. <laughs> She's like the good. She's the better editor of, in the family.
1: Kelly, okay, Have you seen Q, the Winged Serpent*? Yeah,
3: it's got. It's my favorite Michael Moore performance. Michael Moore.
2: Yeah. God, Michael Moore.
3: <laughs> His dad is in it. Um, uh, I'm looking
1: for. Should I be looking forward to watching *Angel Heart*? Does that hold up?
3: It's been a while. I just remember Bonet. Well, check out the
1: front page. Quarter to three. We've Sorry. got several horror movie reviews up there. Uh, you've got a few more days left in October, uh, so so join us Wait, for that. Just watch that
3: documentary about why The Shining is the moon landing.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. it's yeah. I I likened it to listening to uh, late night talk radio, the kind of yahoos that call in on the Art Bell show. Hmm. Uh, it's called Room Two Thirty Seven. Have you seen that? Oh, it's ridiculous. You would you would appreciate it. I mean, there's a certain absurdity to it. I I think uh, Stanley Kubrick
3: would get a laugh out of it as well. Mm, okay. You're not making it sound interesting.
1: Uh do do you like listening to wackos Hold Forth about their
3: interpretations of Usually, but not about. I mean, they're just this seems like low-hanging fruit. Isn't seems that cute. this podcast? Yeah, exactly. If it was zapped and it was like this is obviously connected to Watergate, I'd watch. Well, I think that.
1: you're the man to make that documentary. That's been said. <laughs> In the movie. <laughs> Uh, Dingus, what did we see this week? Uh, yeah. I not anything, uh, but what's the movie that the three of us uh, got out to the theater to actually sit down and watch in the waning weeks of October?
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's poetic.
2: It really Remember? is. Cornelius. I love that movie, The Waning Weeks of October. Uh, well, this week we saw The Counselor, a 2013 American crime drama thriller frisk movie about a lawyer who has no name. It was directed by Ridley Scott and written mm. by Cormac McCarthy. Mm. It stars Michael Fassbender, uh, Penelope Cruz, Brad Pitt, and Sam Spruel. Uh, the counselor is rated R for graphic violence, mm. some grisly images,
0: mm.
2: strong sexual content, and language. Mm.
1: Who's, which one was Sam Spruel?
2: Which one was uh, language? Sam Spruill is wire guy.
1: Oh. <laughs> he looked like he'd uh, come in from uh, just fresh out of the last season of Breaking Bad.
2: Yeah, it <laughs> looks like a
1: finish. He was, uh-uh. he was
2: down in New Mexico anyway, so they said "Hey, <laughs>
1: They couldn't quite get Jesse Plemons, so they, they went with Sam Spruill.
2: Uh,
1: all right, so uh, the counselor opened at number four. Not a very <laughs> good showing. Behind, in, in order from from number three to number one, behind Gravity, Captain Phillips. And Bad Grandpa. <laughs> wait and wait. What was the number one? Well, America's number one movie, Kelly Wand, is Bad Grandpa. <coughs> uh,
2: do you know what that's? You know, I don't know why he did this, but we were driving the other day, and my son must have seen a billboard, and he said, "Do you know what Bad Grandpa is rated?" Because some of my sa- friends said it's rated R, and do you know why? I, I, I think it's probably if it's rated R, it's for language. And he said, well, they said it's because of naked people."
1: There is, a as we know from the trailer, there is a, a strip routine uh, performed by someone. I don't know if that person gets naked or not, but uh, maybe that's it. They wouldn't have a naked kid.
3: They'd have a naked old man with a prosthetic dick. That's Could what be. kids want to say. Huh?
2: <laughs> I love yeah. that as a title, though, the naked man with a prosthetic dick. He's a bad grandpa. Good wow. grandpa's...
1: So the counselor opened at number four, made $8 million. Uh, If we look at Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of of reviews that are positive, the counselor is at 35%. Huh. If we look at Metacritic, which averages the ratings from various reviews, the counselor is at 49. Hmm,
3: 15-point spread. Well, you know, they're different.
1: Means- they're, they're they're entirely different metrics, Kelly Wand.
3: What? <laughs> but they both use the metric them. system. Neither of them is metric. No, neither of them uses the metric. No, system. it goes from zero to a hundred. That's what metric is, like boiling and freezing. Mm, I don't think so.
1: And we're going to have to take that up on our uh, our measurement podcast. The circumference,
3: the zero and the hundred are the same. Kelly Wand, right.
1: you know what pi is?
3: What's the value of pi represent? The round ones, or the sh- the Chicago kind. <laughs> uh before i went to see um, the counselor
1: uh, Dingus had seen it before me, and at one point I'm sitting in the dining room working on something, and Dingus comes in, and his his son is collecting all these little cars, and uh, his son is really into the, the different car companies and which cars are his favorite, and uh, uh, so we've we've got all these little toy cars hanging around the house. For whatever reason I couldn't figure it out, I'm sitting there working on something. And Dingus comes into the the dining room there and puts in front of me a little car and just leaves it there, and I thought he was leaving it there for his son or something. He came back later and explained to me that is a is a Ferrari California. And he gave me this meaningful look. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Okay. That's nice. California th- is the model. And then he took it away and mm-hmm. uh and that was it. And as I was watching the movie I realized what Dingus was getting at. It's a car that Cameron Diaz is very fond of, I believe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I th- wait, the Kiernan said that to you? <laughs> no, Kiernan <laughs> has
1: not seen the counselor. No. Uh, Dingus did not take his son to the counselor. Uh, the car that was featured in the counselor, and I presume we'll be hearing a little bit about this shortly, uh, Dingus presented a little toy of this car to me before I'd seen the movie. Uh, huh. And I had no idea why he was presenting it, and now Is it I know.
3: Was it a movie souvenir, and was it moist?
1: Uh, oh, gross, Kelly Wand. What?
3: I'm, because Dingus had handled it.
1: Well, Kelly Wand, we're in spoiler territory now, so let's basically go ahead <laughs> and spoil the Counselor for everyone by just explaining the plot to them in perhaps synopsis form. Uh, I don't know if there would be a term for any such thing. If there were, what would it be, Kelly Wand? What do you think it would be?
3: The councilopsis. Yeah. Huh.
1: <laughs> Kelly Wand, I want you to deliver the... Councilor O'Pence, <laughs> Rourke said to what's his face,
3: uh, <laughs> "Straddle it like you sold." In nine and a half weeks. That was a woman, by the way, in that.
1: In what? In nine and a half weeks? Yes, there was a woman in nine and a half the week. One okay. The
3: weeks. Well, we go. agree on something. Also, we? a woman in body heat. <clears throat> I don't know what you're talking about.
1: All right, Kelly Wand. Oh, also,
3: yes, pretended. When I watched the movie, Mm -hmm. that Cameron Diaz and Penelope Cruz were both playing their Vanilla Sky characters. How'd that work out for you? Like they were in hell or something. Because this thing's in a a dream, such that they could be cryogenic. I I, like to watch it as Cameron Diaz was – it
1: was after her career as a Charlie's Angels. This is what became of her.
2: (laughs) Boy, I went south.
3: We're north. So she wasn't acting, you're saying? (laughs) Except in Charlie's Angels.
1: You know what? Whatever it takes to get you through the counselor.
3: Whoa, that's a spoiler. Counselor. Next time I have a sore throat, I might have one of you guys read the opsis because I didn't think losing my voice would matter, and I felt remorse last week. Will you move your lips while we read it? That happens every week. The t- councilopsis. Yes? What? Is it like a catfish when you move your lips? Oh, why do you got those dudes in my head right now? Of all the dudes to put in my head. That's you not, put the cat, not the catfish. What's right? name? Sh- Shlomi? <laughs> There's two of them, right? There's the behind-the-camera catfish.
1: Uh, I think of them now, Kelly, Wong, as the
3: paranormal activity guys. Oh, did they do the new one? Which looked kind of like... No, party. we talked about this before. Uh, the new one is... <laughs> that doesn't mean I know.
1: <laughs> no, they're basically leapfrogging. It looks like they're doing every other one. There's the, oh, ethnic- branded- animal from the creek. There's the ethnically branded paranormal activity called the Marked Ones, which is out in January. And then I presume Paramount is doing... Uh, I don't know why they skipped this Halloween. Uh, uh, probably doing one for next Halloween, Paranormal Activity 5. But anyway, this one- tell you on, let's hear a councilopsis. I'm dying uh, to get your take on what happened in this movie. Sometimes this movie is a little confusing.
3: Oh, well, I, I didn't have that problem. Right. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like for you to sort of break it down for me, maybe clear up a few things. In a way, Cormac wrote a script based on this. <laughs> the opsis. Stuff people might have said in The Counselor.
0: Oh, Counselor, I wish I could stay under a sheet forever.
3: Oh, Salma, I'll love you till I die. Actually, let me rephrase that. That could be taken ironically by Fate. Bite me in the ass later, so let's play it safe. May our happiness be as long as our lives. Suck it, Fate. Okay, now you go. <laughs> Salma, not Fate.
0: I want to mail you a DVD of my corpse rolling downhill in a junkyard.
3: Wait a minute. <laughs> who's <is> that? <laughs> <laughs> who's playing, <laughs> who's <laughs> playing Penelope Cruz <Cruise> in this <laughs> nonsense? Is, is this Cal- Cloud Atlas? That's my woman and Latina voice. I can't wait to get to the Rosie Perez. (laughs) Oh, God. Mm.
2: Come on, Ruthie. Let's go. Tom, you said you talked to him.
1: Lighten lighten up, Ruthie.
0: I want to mail you a DVD of my corpse rolling downhill in a junkyard. (laughs)
3: It's not racist. It's a compliment. (laughs) It has no race. Right, As yes. I've transcended race with my acting. Hmm, maybe some things just sound better in Spanish.
0: I want you to touch me down there. No, the other side. Some of that is barbecue sauce. No, just flick it. Vaya con
3: Dios! Meanwhile, on some ground... Hang on, I gotta get psyched up for Javier. Don't we all? Getting
0: and delivered took only a tenth this long, but thanks for wearing pants on the car this time. No offense, I'm just allergic to abalone. So erotic to watch a
3: spayed tiger overshoot their prey. <laughs> <laughs> Said Cameron, yes. <laughs>
0: My first husband was an overshooter.
3: Oh, you're divorced?
0: Ugh. He died. Do I miss him, you ask? To miss the dead is to concede the passage of time. Uh. Is that cold of me? I believe reality has no temperature. Uh. Are the tiger stripes on my back indicative of my inner nature? Nature has no boundaries. In this respect, it is like temperature. The stripes only reveal what was never there to begin with, merely bands of darkness between the orange meridians, as lightless as the wind between the gulfs between the mountains of the stars on the plain for young men. Mm.
3: (laughs) Those are some words.
0: Our words but the preamble to our own eulogy and urology or is even asking the question evidence that redemption was never a crossroads designed to be transversed.
3: Mm. Yeah, my friend Lindelof says Tell me <laughs> huh? it's
0: weird, after all that philosophizing you wouldn't know what confession is. <laughs> it was the one
3: fetish that always sounded too kinky even for me. It's not, What are you talking about? You go into a dark box. A guy wearing robes goes into the one beside you. You tell him all your sexual fantasies. He tells you what you have to do, but you are never allowed to touch one another. There's nothing kinky about it. That is why the outfits
0: for the schoolgirls are so demure. Well, I want to do it. Do you know someone? I'll make some calls. Are you interested in communion as well? Uh, uh, not
3: friend. Whitley Stryber. <laughs> no, just circumcision and the other one. Meanwhile, at a Mexican diamond store run by a Lithuanian. See, counselor, they're not actually diamond-shaped at all. They're squares, but tilted 45 degrees. <laughs> is this? This, this is
0: Tom Hanks from Captain Phillips. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no. Cameron Diaz is my Captain Phillips. What's wrong with uh, duh, 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 duh. They're squares, tilted 45 degrees, sometimes 46, but those were the high rollers, as we call them, chalupas. Wow, I didn't know gemology had its own language. I guess that's why pearls come out of oysters' mouths, huh? Rubies mean they're getting thirsty. I think I read somewhere. How much is this one? Uh, That's the quarter you laid on the counter when you came in and said, show me what you got, Pierre. Oh, you're French? No. How about this one? 120,000 carats. You misspelled that, by the way. Uh, That's a dollar sign. Holy shit, this stone's only a dollar? In that case, I'll take your entire store. Looks like you've just been counseled, buddy. So what's the least you've ever lost on a coin toss? Meanwhile, much later. Hi, I'm Brad Pitt. <laughs> this will be the counselor speaking next. <laughs> since, since I mean, just hold your hand. So. Let me start all over. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Brad Pitt. Uh, much better. I said no names, although my last name does happen to be Counselor. Long story. Anyway, I want to open a nightclub in Barstow with Anton Chigurh, but since I'm just a rich counselor, I'm running a truckload of heroin and a guy from Columbia in a pickle barrel up to Fargo. All I need from you is to tell me how fucked I am if things go south by showing me a newspaper. Okay. Uh You know what a snuff film is? Yeah, that thing with Garrett Morris. It was like a cool whip that killed you. Yeah. So if you want to end up like Garrett Morris, uh, don't do anything involving money or Mexican people for the next 20 minutes. <sighs> yes, Brad, Mr. Stretz, Mullet. Meanwhile, hey, good news, Antoine. I talked to Brad, and he assured me nothing can go wrong, even if I'm an idiot. That guy's really got his shit together. If zombies ever attack coach class, he's told me about this cool maneuver involving luggage you learned from the ancient Chinese. <laughs>
0: Counselor, before we open our nightclub together...
3: <laughs> that's Javier by damn not penalty Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> although they are so that is a little confusing there's two things I should tell you the first is that my wife in this Cameron Diaz fucked a car <laughs> smoked a cigarette afterwards so did she no way menthol since then I've lost all appetite for pastrami and seawater do you understand what I'm trying to say to you Well, I can see what it has to do with our business investment, but I wasn't listening, if that helps. Was the second thing the pastrami? The second thing, my friend, is do you know what a bolito is? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a John Derrick movie about a bullfighter. I can't recall the female lead offhand, but I know (laughs) he was in the brunettes. Ask me something hard. Just keep these things in mind if things go south. South, in Mexico. JK, I don't know where we are. Besides, you still got that cattle propane gun thing, right? Just do that <laughs> slick move where you go, hold still, and shoot them in the head. They're not going to have any firepower faster than that. They're not NASA. They're NAFTA. Meanwhile, <laughs> Counselor, you want to
0: pay my kids' speech ticket? Come on, I just bought a
2: <laughs> And now we're there. <laughs>
1: It's like watching Fearless again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do know is this is, yeah.
1: it's, Kelly, uh, Juan, just, just do the right thing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. I got to summon it back. It's like, it's, you got to go all the way with Rosie, or it's, you can't half-ass it. Counselor, you want to pay my kid's speeding ticket? Come on, that's your pot of Zodega. See, <laughs> yeah, I got the sex appeal in that time more. Well, I do want to be a father someday after this Penelope flings over. And paying a ticket is kind of like, hey, wait a second, I'm a counselor. How fast was your little skippy going there? 206. Hmm, that's not too bad. Most days I do that just getting out of my driveway, and it's uphill. There's a lot of neck injuries in this movie, although not the good kind like I got from Gina Carano in Haywire, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, how much is Junior's ticket? 400 For doing 206? Jeez, what year is this? 1408? Wow, Rosie Perez. How epic does it feel to be saying Cormac McCarthy dialogue? 1609? (laughs) Okay, uh, I'll take it under advisement. That'll be $10,000 minus the 400. Wait, I mean, plus it. Wait, how much is that? 400 even? Okay, uh, guard, can you tell the warden I need to borrow a calculator again? (laughs) Name, sir. The counselor. Later. Uh, guy on phone to base. Uh, used what was in the helmet on the truck battery and didn't do shit. Copy that. Uh, base to guy on phone. When you say you used what was in the helmet, did you take the kid's head out first or did you try to hook up a decapitated head to battery cable? <laughs> guy on phone to base. Oh. Guy on phone again to base still. When I did, it told me to try harder. Then it blew up. Yeah, that's normal. Meanwhile. <clears throat> Counsel, this is how Kelly wants Brad Pitt sounds. Speaking of which, ever heard of the Green Hornet? Yeah, that movie Tom Watch News Crawls During? Or was that time code? Ugh. Doing business with counselors who don't read newspapers. Sure look good on paper. Here, read this. Hmm. Headless kids' motorcycle found in nearby area. Mexican cartels vow to kill counselor and fiancé over DMV mix-up. Blonde woman in moist windshield also sought for questioning an unrelated paternity suit. Meh, C-. Let me try again. I didn't mean a loud fuckhead, and if I were you for the next few hours, I'd treat and ninjas and hot blondes in hotel lobbies with suspicion and curiosity. Uh, why the ninjas? Ring, ring. Allo? I- no, no, you, cruise, Babe, it's me, the counselor. Uh, long story short, I need you to fly to Idaho. Make sure to travel alone and never look behind you. It's probably bad news. Love me? Yes, but gay. He hangs up. <laughs> then he has drinks to congratulate himself. Meanwhile, Javier, oh, yeah, your car and I are moving to London to strangle Brad Pitt. I'll always remember you as the guy I briefly slept with prior to that. I've never felt such a deep connection with any car before. The car honks impatiently. All right. Goodbye, both of you. Your appearance seems ill-suited for stealth, but that's what I've always loved about you. And you also, Cameron. Now if you'll excuse me, I just got a call from someone with a Mexican accent telling me to drive alone to the abandoned part of whatever city this is, swerve in, panic, swerve in panic. Fucking comma. Shave the back of my head and draw a small red X on it, and the art supply store closes early every day, so arrivas dinero. Finally. Hello, Larry? Yes, Gringo. Uh, no, it's the counselor. What'd the cartel say? I am sorry, my friend. Hey, no need to apologize. I called you. So what'd they say? That you must accept the consequences of your actions. <laughs> cool. So you told them I'd get my 400 bucks back, and the kid just gets an extension. I have some serious strengths for that, by the way. I hope these people appreciate it. Judge Loomis on a Tuesday afternoon can be a real pill. Would you change places with her if you could? Uh, Like, maybe if we're on the same plane, sitting beside each other, and she wants to switch because she's never seen an aisle before? No fucking way. Let's go to it. But pointless, since I cannot help you. I'm bored. I gotta go. Time. (laughs) You're welcome, Cormac McCarthy, you buffoon. <laughs> ring, ring. Hey, Larry, it's me. It's been uh, <clears throat> six months and nine years. Really appreciate a callback. Uh, mail's no good. I got somebody else's DVD by accident this morning. I asked the kid who handed it to me what was up in Spanish, but he answered me in Spanish, which I don't speak. I'd suggest to a Mr. Hola. Is that Spanish for resident? I guess I'll try you next week. Asta. That's the end. That was supposed to be (laughs) some music I composed.
1: All right. uh, Let's see where to start. Who wants to go first? Mm -hmm. How did the counselor work for you? Who are you asking? Yourself? Mm. I could go first. Uh, All right. So it really... uh, So this is, of course, a a Cormac McCarthy script. It is, however, directed by Ridley Scott. So to my mind, that kind of
3: evens things out. Um, It's Prometheus. Like, was Prometheus the last Ridley Scott movie? It was, yes. And last Michael Fassbender-Ridley Scott collaboration. Yep. Okay. Um, But uh, I
1: I think you – I have to admire Ridley Scott – for just kind of getting out of the way of what cormac mccarthy handed him uh and what cormac mccarthy handed him was intriguing enough for me and unusual enough for me and at times i was like what am i watching here what is he doing uh i could see a lot in common with no country for old men of course um but it, it this, I can't imagine anyone going, I, I'm not at all surprised this movie didn't do well critically. And I can't imagine the average per, person going into this thinking they're going to see a Michael Fassbender Brad Pitt movie having any idea what's going on. Uh, so I really admire how weird and different and unconventional this is. Uh, and, and I am glad that Ridley Scott didn't screw it up. You know, I, I don't think he gave it any of the uh, the punch or the keen insight that the Cohen brothers gave No Country for Old Men, but uh, he did what I guess could best be described as doing no harm. Um, so overall, I, I kind of liked this. Um, I was a little taken aback by it. Uh, I didn't quite know what to make of it, and I mostly enjoyed where it ended up. So I'm 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 mostly positive on this.
3: Uh, can I go second? <clears throat> yep, get in there, Kelly Wand. I think it treads the kind of same thematic terrain as No Country for Old Men. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it didn't have quite maybe the virtue of surprise. And I think a lot of the power of No Country for Old Men is in its like these long silences and nonverbal storytelling, which is what to them – which is what attracted them to that script. Or is that album in the first place. Well, and think of like yeah, talky like how, version. yeah, how little exposition there is in No Country for Old Men versus this. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is talky. So, and it's also got movie stars in it. And it's maybe a little too spot on and like, like a little too similar to No Country for Old Men, but without its power. But from the trailers, I was definitely expecting it to be like. Cormac McCarthy's Hollywood sellout movie, and I agree with you. It's so not. It's so interesting, and it was so many walkouts during it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, I actually meant to I forgot to watch the trailer. Kelly Wan, what is the trailer like? What what is it? It's just
3: car wrecks, and people say it's really bad. Things have got up to 10, but it looks like it just... I mean, it looks like Blood Simple. It looks like less dark. It looks funny, like Fargo. Funny. Ah, okay. But with less darkness, uh-huh. it's definitely a huge misdirection.
1: Dingus, have you have you watched the trailer yet?
3: Uh, no, I have not. Okay. But uh, I had the same reaction you did, Tom, pretty much verbatim. Like I, it, he definitely did stay out of his way. Okay. I thought. That.
1: Dingus, get in here. How did it work for you?
3: Uh, this is going to be
2: something of a, a cop out. I hate to react to a movie this way. Um, but it was just so depressing for me. I just found it so depressing. Yeah, I, I left the movie feeling like crap. Uh, which is not, no way to review a movie. Um, uh, but once I started writing about it, um, I mean, I love some of the things about it. I certainly love that first scene. <laughs> and, uh, I thought, I knew where, I thought, whoa, wow, it's going somewhere. And I like the way you put it, Tom, about Ridley Scott not getting in the way of it. But I just – I don't know. In the end, I just feel like it's just everybody say, talking in the same voice. That is, uh, all characters sound like Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I don't think – as much as I like her, I don't think Cameron is is cast properly or can handle any of the – almost any of the dialogue, especially in that last scene.
1: The last scene is where I felt it most. I was mostly okay with her just because of – like how she looked and the tattoo and the eye makeup and in that one gown where you could see the definition in her arm. I mean, just uh, for the most part, I was with her. But yeah, it really did. To leave her to leave the movie in her hands at the very end for the summation was probably not a wise choice.
2: Yeah, Uh, I mean, some of that stuff she says at the end, it just falls like with such a thud. And, and and then having to see the cheetahs. I mean, it, at first, when you see the cheetahs running across the plane there and that scene, it's kind of thrilling and very sexual. And, and you don't realize that he's just going to bring cheetahs in every single scene and everybody's going to wear cheetah outfits. And she's going to have cheetahs on her back and there's going to be a cheetah playing the piano. It just gets to be so silly. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like what you're saying about it not being conventional. Uh, it really does have a feeling of like, Cormac McCarthy got to write a movie um without uh, you know the the normal sort of on page whatever this has to happen on page whatever that has to happen uh but uh, in the end it just was so depressing to me I don't know what, I don't know what my problem is with it I I I really have a hard time evaluating it other than the things I said so in, on balance uh, I really so wanted to like it because I like Cormac McCarthy so much but uh, I don't know it just Well, do you feel
1: that way about No Country for Old Men? That sort no. of existential thriller take that's really downbeat, like it has that in common. Did you find that depressing to where it was kind of an obstacle?
2: Kelly McDonald. No. no, I really don't. I don't feel like that movie has this sort of – this movie feels so weirdly misogynistic, and and yes. it just depresses me watching it. I mean, I, I, I felt like this, and I'm glad you guys brought this up, I mean, I felt like this movie was – no country directed by the director of prometheus and written by a guy who's never written a script before but wrote the source material for no country i mean no country feels like art this feels like no artifice i don't know it just doesn't well talk a bit
1: about the misogyny that, that you that you saw
2: um, it just, there's, there's so much of this, you know, women feel this way about sex. Women are this way about sex. Women are that, women are this. There's no, for me, it was no surprise that Cameron Dees is a bad guy, uh if you want to call it that. Um, the, the way he, the, what he puts in, uh, in Javier Bardem's mouth, that whole scene about the car window, I, I feel like so many things that Cormac McCarthy is saying, he's asking us to look at as truth uh whereas i don't see any of those things i mean if a woman did that on my car i'd be pretty turned on by it i imagine and he he just has these uh, <laughs> wow <I know. laughs> to,
1: to listen to javier bardem obviously scarred by the experience i, I could feel it i I, <laughs> I
2: i could feel it too but i didn't feel what he felt i don't know why he's so scarred by i, I mean i i understand i mean it his whole like it's too gynecological to be sexy, um, and I just I think the things that are said about women and I, I don't know I don't, I, there's a lot of things I don't know why we're going to the trouble of in this movie i don't know why I don't know why we go to the trouble of the wire gag but other than it looks cool <laughs> the I mean, well <laughs> I I'm gonna, I'm gonna just shoot the guy I mean, come on.
1: Well, because it, the, there's this whole motif of being strangled and of getting your, your neck caught in a noose that is going to eventually kill you. Uh, and I think the movie plays with that. You know, we have Brad Pitt explaining the bolita thing.
2: And, well, Javier Bardem explains it. Yeah,
3: they explain bolita. each other. Brad Pitt says the snuff film, so he does
2: – Yeah, it's it's just that, it's a, a whole bunch of Chekhov's, this is going to happen. And right. They happen. It Chris but, you
1: know, but that's not a bad thing, though, is it, Dingus? Like I no. don't you say that's a bad no. thing. Like, I, I like it when – yeah, I, like – that, that, that to me... To it's deliberate.
2: Yeah. Well, the, like, that, a, yeah. That elaborate of an explanation of this belito device, uh, and then I'm just going to sit around for the movie and wait for exactly what you said was going to happen to happen, and then exactly what you said is going to happen happens. I mean... Well, it could have been just a metaphor. You have to have some sort of broken expectation if you're going to do that, as far as I'm concerned. I It just doesn't... I don't know. Huh, okay. It's, no uh, I, it's, it's just no surprise to me when it happens because Karl McCarthy said, this is going to happen, this is what it's going to look like, then it happens, and that's what it looked like. So again, I it's know. just depressing to me. I don't find it uh, – it, it's not like the the way you No know, Country
3: plays out. I mean, I, I don't know. There are similarities. Let's still, What are you going to do? You're overmatched. And it really is this idea
1: of, you, you know, that, that for me, the movie kind of worked on this level. And this is one of the few areas that I would give Ridley Scott much credit. But as far as this this sense of the noose tightening around Michael Fassbender's character and yeah. every, you know, at one point, you know, there's a, there's a moment where he knows things have gone south and then everything afterwards constricting around him. Uh, and so as both a metaphor and a literal fate and, and, a, and a device, the equivalent of a little cattle killer, I thought that whole Bolita's bit, I, I thought worked very very well for, for me, uh, and even just playing with the, the you know the decapitation of the motorcycle driver, uh, ju- uh, just how grisly it was. Because I, I don't know if you guys know this, but that's uh, these beheading videos is a sort of a motif now from the the drug cartels, right. uh, and that's you know I couldn't help but think of that stuff because it's been in the news lately because of a Facebook policy, and uh, it's just really grisly kind of. Contemporarily relevant stuff, um, and that—that's another thing too that I really liked about the script. That um, th- there was no car- th- there was no on-screen representative for the cartel. It was always just these shadowy people. You know, we didn't cast Javier Bardem as the cartel dude. And even when Ruben Blades comes on at the end and is, is is got all that. By the way, I loved that scene with Ruben Blades. I didn't expect to, and as it was playing out. I was like yeah this isn't going to work he's and by the time it was over I really liked the scene where we have Ruben Blades come on and talk about this this uh kind of the the fatalism in Hispanic literature <laughs> you know like uh Gabriel Garcia Marquez and Lorca that these tragedies from Lorca and the, I forget the Mexican poet he mentioned Machado um, yeah and to have him roll out that stuff about Basically, Hispanic literature uh, to to Michael Fassbender as a way to, to explain to him death and, and mortality and, and and injustice and tragedy and grief. Uh, that was just so I thought so kind of ballsy and and, and to leave Michael Fassbender like that. Um, so anyway, I'm I'm getting off uh, uh, track, but because uh, he's a
3: big guy and he looks like the hero, and we've seen him in comic book movies. So it's not like some little schlubby dude in a Mexican. Michael Fassbender, you mean, or Ruben? Yeah, Jones. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Well, both of them. But I mean, his Michael Fassbender's undoing. Like he seems so confident at the beginning, and it's
1: right. Was, and and it's kind of like when uh, it, in No Country for Old Men, Javier Bardem represents this this force of chaos and evil. And there's that whole bit when uh, Tommy Lee jo- Jones goes to talk to his, I think it's a friend of his father, who says you can't stop what's coming. Just this idea yeah. of fatalism and inevitability, and the way the cartel was portrayed here. Uh, I, I really liked that about this movie is that we didn't have a villain. It was just this shadowy force that consisted of a bunch of people, none of whom we were really introduced to, uh, moving drugs around and welding trucks and driving. I, I mean, I, I loved how that was rolled out. And it wasn't this Breaking Bad kind of thing where we have to put a face on it and a cackling actor. Uh, yeah,
2: but what see, we did. It was Cameron Diaz. I mean,
1: no, I, she wasn't the cartel. She was just a
2: greedy no, but she's, chick trying to get she's, she's money. She was villain. on the run too. She's the, she's the cackling villain. But she's, I, a, taking,
1: she's
3: a jackal. A jackal
1: she's just taking. She, okay. Right, right. Well, that, I'm. We tell you Like she, like the cartel who was doing all the evil stuff. She was just manipulating it. I mean, she didn't she steal the drugs from them as well? The, the cartel oh, was yeah, the south the Uber border border presence. She's a I don't I disagree Dingus. I think she's just a greedy a person driven by greed. And and the point of the last scene is that she's just a person. She's no Uber villain. She's a woman telling her banker about
3: her cats the point of which – And she's she, on the run. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's, uh, but she's also
2: No, she's she she's the predator. I mean, that's what she that's what she's talking about. The second Yeah, but there's
3: predators bigger than her too. Exactly. She's just a person. She she, yep, she's just she just controls everything. doing that it for happens greed in the movie.
1: She steals from this guy she was with, and she does it for greed. For right. there, there's right. no theological evil. All of that is still something in the background. It's this.
3: She had nothing process. to do with him paying the tickets. Exactly right. No, um, but she just... took
2: advantage of it. I mean, she's sure. a, She's right. You know, Javier Bardem says, you know, you can do anything to a woman except bore her, and he's bored her, and so she, oh, she's done all of these things because she probably well, was bored.
1: I I get the sense that she was just just greedy she just wanted money um, and she didn't plan that it just happened she was that wasn't her game plan right and That's, even then yeah it wasn't like I don't think it was any big it was never any big reveal that oh pulled back the curtain there's the villain I mean I, I think yeah. it's pretty clear all along that she at, when she's listening into the conversation with Michael Fassbender and Javier Bardem like it, it's clear she's just uh, she's one of the many players in this thing and she's the one that ends up on top in
3: the end. But she has so the, shades philosophically says with the She judge, always literally. knew what was going
2: to happen. She says, I always knew where that truck was going to end up. I mean, she was, she's the controlling force.
1: But even then, like, think about that, that shootout on the road. Like, she, she was the one who just happened to prevail. I mean, she she set things in motion. She was watching things. But that was another thing. I, I loved how that shootout played out. It seemed like such a sure thing that, okay, these yeah. fake cops are going to come up, and they're going to get the, the other guys have the drop on them. And that thing just goes completely unexpected.
3: Uh, right. Yeah, like – so uh, it doesn't matter how well you plan it's And didn't, didn't By
1: the way, didn't she then lose the truck? She didn't get the truck, so she had to get money from Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh so so even her plan was foiled by those those goofy guys and I love too, Those guys <laughs> thought they looked like cops. Uh
2: <laughs> they are funny, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so,
1: yeah, but at any rate, that's kind of one of the things I really appreciate here is this idea that there's no single cackling villain. Instead, there is this force of chaos and evil and and lawlessness uh, that's kind of working in the background. Um,
3: I want Cormac McCarthy's next movie to be about the cosmic bloodbath that he keeps talking about which I know I guess the road's supposed to be, but that's just like the aftermath. Well, I can't, I'm, yeah, I'm on the verge. Like a Tom Clancy-sized McCarthy (laughs) movie. I guess (laughs) the movie this might have been that I would have hated, actually. Well, we do have Blood Meridian. I mean, it sort of makes me want to go back and read that again. Uh, It made me actually
2: want to read Blood, uh, which I've never done, but...
3: I love it, and Tom thinks it's Salem's Lot, and (laughs) I think it's a masterpiece, and Tom thinks it's rambly, and pointless uh i just feel that it's well, overrated yeah yeah. i just feel there's far better cormac McCarthy. did you know that james franco adapted child of god and that he said he called cormac mccarthy and asked him why he would written a book about such a repellent character and cormac mccarthy went i don't know james probably some dumbass reason <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: and he said why don't you do as i lay dying instead
3: ah <laughs> oh, see he can't get that phone call he probably would have made it it's a the, you know anyway. the, the, There are things
2: I like, but then I just they make me think of other things. I mean, that I like that scene between Brad Pitt and Michael Fassbender when they're in the bar. I like the chemistry between those two guys. Mm -hmm. Um, That calls to mind for me the bar scene or the the scene at the table for me in in the big in Big Sleep. Oh. Uh, it feels like two people talking about something else and sort of going back and forth about it or trying to it, but it then as i watch it it feels like Cormac McCarthy knows William Faulkner and he's trying to do that,
3: what? Um, oh, I think that
2: that's what it feels like to me it, how so it just it feels like him just making people say his own words and not he doesn't uh, yeah. i don't know if you could say this about shakespeare but he doesn't write in anybody else's voice but his own at least sure in a lot of this, and that bothers me. Uh, And I don't know if it bothers me with other writers.
1: Well, how is that different from, say, Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs?
2: Because Because I I think it's a lot different. I think that those characters talk like themselves. And they might have the patois of of Quentin Tarantino or whoever, but they have a a character bent to it, but at the same... There's never a feeling, or at least in, in those movies, that I'm being made just to be a puppet for the writer, which I know that a writer does that, but a screenwriter or a playwright uh, gives characters a sense of perspective, and I always felt like we were listening to Cormac McCarthy talk. Um, And I don't... (laughs) Which, you know, fair
1: enough, but I I can't say that ever bothered me. I could sit and watch Bruno Gans and Michael Fassbender talk about diamond cutting and be completely happy with that. You know, Bruno Gans has, and this is totally Cormac McCarthy, and Bruno Gans can handle it, of course. But Bruno Gans has this amazing line that just comes out of nowhere, uh, and I even wrote this down. uh, We announce to the darkness we will not be diminished by the brevity of our lives. And that's his justification for being a diamond cutter. Right, right. He sells diamonds to his customers. And I I love that we got that scene, just watching them look at this diamond and talking
2: about diamond cutting. I loved Uh, it, too, because I love movie dialogue, and I love so many of the lines in this. I was writing furiously. I love those things. But why does that scene even exist? Why well, because I will
1: tell you, it's to juxtapose, juxtapose this idea of trash and glamour, of of value, you know, the, the, this truck full of shit. We're watching this drive north while he is buying a diamond for the woman he loves. Uh, I, I think it's this juxtaposition right there.
3: And how flaws are the value of by which the. gets yep. from Yeah, exactly. yeah I, I,
1: I mean, yeah, there's a million
3: reasons. And she's going to end up being dumped in the trash,
1: too. You know, it's going to end up it's going to literally swallow her. Uh, And just the the value, you know. Just am I to to understand too that that was part of why he was in trouble financially? No, because he wanted to. But no, okay. Uh,
2: Well, I think that he probably couldn't afford that purchase. um, Just greed is enough
3: motive. But I think he he was
2: in trouble for a host of other reasons that we don't know. And I'm and actually I appreciate not knowing. Yeah, Um, doesn't matter. But,
3: um, and why the diamond he, was why also. Why does everybody call him the counselor?
1: Why? Uh, you know. There's <laughs> some <laughs> car back for Yeah, you. it's exactly the same reason that the father and son don't have a name in the road,
3: I'm guessing. Because <sighs> he doesn't listen to anybody. I mean, it, do you get why it's so. No, that would no it it almost play, be- Or do you think <laughs> it's just like, a... it's something you can't buy into, like a musical where they just. No, I just it. don't, I don't. He know. would have a name. It would say it.
2: Every, every room he goes into, somebody calls him the, hey, counselor, 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 counselor. He doesn't give anybody any counsel. And, uh, but, Unfortunately, later on, we have a guy called The Banker, and we also have a wire guy. I mean, he just doesn't feel like giving names. What's going on?
3: Uh. Uh, I think it's more like people's trades being how they position themselves. um,
0: Finish me off.
1: What would they call uh, Cameron Diaz in this movie, Kelly Wand? The tiger. (laughs) First of all, wrong cat. Uh, <laughs> Second of all, I was uh, hoping maybe for the catfish. Oh. Ew! What? Why would you? Ew! Uh, 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 let's let's talk about Javier Bardem's hair.
2: That's a. Uh, do you know what that is? Product? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is? What? I don't. What do you mean do? I know what that is. A is previous
2: it, bullet wound. No,
3: it's <laughs> it's patterned after Brian Grazer.
2: I know. Do I know who uh,
1: that he's is? He's
3: doing Sports what? Thing? Hugo Weaving did in The Matrix, but to a different producer.
2: Yeah, uh, Brian Grazer is like is Ron Howard's producer.
1: Oh, God. Oh, I do know who it. Dingus, what?
3: <sighs> it's definitely not Ron Howard.
1: Wait, where did you... Did you read that somewhere? Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a definite it's... thing. It was definitely on purpose. It's... Oh, good Lord. Uh, that means Dingus read something about an actor. Yeah, they just because, really look like.
2: Seriously, that. because I typed the word Bolito into Google to find out if it was an actual thing, because I thought it was like a spanish uh dinner roll and i wanted to find out if it was a it was just something that Cormac mccarthy made up or if it was an actual thing (laughs) just dinner (laughs) roll uh did you guys
1: recognize the blonde girl who gets brad pitt's password no what who what (laughs) i was i know i'd seen her before and i can picture it in my head now where can i get her you probably won't remember this. Her name is Natalie Dorner. Dingus, did you recognize her? Natalie Dorner? Wait, that sounds familiar.
2: She looked familiar to me, but I didn't know who she Wait, was. Wait, is she in VHS? I certainly didn't believe she got his password. <laughs> uh,
1: she's She plays in, in Captain America. She's the military chick who hits on Captain America and makes uh, Haley Atwell jealous.
3: Ah, uh, all right.
1: Um, uh, she's just got a little tiny part. I've seen Captain America enough times that I recognized her.
3: It's the right size. <laughs> Uh, all right. Let's see. So
1: and and do you guys concede that it was a body heat reference when he says it's like Mickey Rourke to what's his face about how arson is a hell of a crime? Right.
2: I don't. Rem- I didn't know what that was. But it was about when I mean, I was just lo- I mean, there's so many times I was lost. So I didn't. know. That, no. Thing is, did you, how much of this movie
1: did you sleep through?
2: Um, <laughs> when did it
1: start?
3: One two three, not only you and me, got us free and I'm caught in between, counting one two three. Peter
0: Pan, Mary, freak, getting down with three feet, everybody loves <laughs> old Uh
3: I felt what bad didn't making watch,
1: uh <laughs> Yeah, I I felt bad making Dingus watch uh, cue the winged serpent the other night because yeah, uh, your well, I know, but I could tell he was just, like, so tired and it was late, and he was kind of nodding off, and I, I didn't know, like, should I wake him up and make sure he doesn't miss Michael Moriarty's finest performance? Uh, I So, <laughs>
3: bad. Did you just wake him up for the monster parts? You don't,
2: you don't have to wake me up to enjoy Michael Moriarty.
3: Yeah, that. he could sleep through that and enjoy it just as well, Tom. <laughs> but you did get to see some of the awesome
1: claymation.
3: Um, uh, uh, oh, when, during the diamond scene... Mm-hmm. I heard a chick behind me because it's not Orange County, and I heard her go, "Yep, the favelas, these the cheapest." Like she knew, like that was the one scene she connected with. Uh, the, one of the, the, this is definitely
1: not a movie that the normal normal people would get. Or and one of the the tells for me is as I was watching it, when they're hooking up the uh, ignition thing to start the the sewage truck full of the drugs, <laughs> the guy next to me goes, "It's going to blow up." What? <laughs> he totally thought it was one of those scenes where somebody starts a car and it explodes. <laughs> huh. Well, the
2: thing did look like it was going to be some sort of a trip switch or something. No.
1: And, and, and in, in a normal movie, that would be exactly what we
3: would be primed for, is it's going to blow well, up. Did it? Uh, <laughs> no. Explain that. But he was saying it because he wanted you to go when it did blow up.
1: Hey, man. Good call. So, Kelly Wan, when did people uh, start to saunter out of the movie when you
3: saw it? Mm, when they yeah. saw Dingus had fallen asleep. <laughs> a few couples went during the car part. Did you guys lose anyone there? I love when people walk out of movies. Yeah. And Orange yeah. County is the best place to watch The Counselor on a Friday night is all what, I can
2: say. What evil drives the car.
3: Because that trailer really was... I don't know. It looked like a Tony Scott movie. Well, they got to get butts and seats, Kelly Wand. <laughs> and then out of a fake, you guys paid. He's what watched the car. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kelly Wand. What is this week's three x three? Uh, oh wait, yeah, I got to find what the listeners said, huh? I mean, this is the th- three best comeuppances in movies.
1: Hmm. And oh. we took off the table uh, Uncle Owen. Oh. Yeah. Getting killed by stormtroopers.
3: Yeah, for being a, <laughs> a bad parent. Just always on Luke shit. So. All right. Uh, alive for not getting what the kids are all about. So I'll be
1: going first because I'm introducing next week's three by three. I come up in some movies is, is nine times out of ten just horrible. It's you know where the good guy like punches his a hole boss or something, and the audience is supposed to cheer for him. And yeah, like in Wanted, that was awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, most number well, yeah, exactly. one. But <laughs> so most comeuppance is so incredibly trite, and I I went the other way. So these are instances of, of of comeuppance on a on an almost cosmic scale. All of these are movies that work on a, a theological level where there's a moral cause and effect in the universe.
3: It's, it's a
1: far more significant comeuppance than somebody hitting his boss in the face with a keyboard like in Wanted. Um,
3: or a stormtrooper hitting his head. You're going to steal. Go ahead, Tom. I am? I think you are. Go ahead. Well, maybe hey, I am. You said I was totally thinking about something else.
1: Uh, well, I'll just give you my my choices, and you'll be able to sort of suss out from there what, what I'm am. going for. That's what I am. Uh, my number three is is uh, – I've talked about this movie before, but it remains really obscure, and I don't think – I actually, Dingus has seen it. Uh, I, I Nobody has seen this, so if you were to bring it up around a bunch of movie wonks, I probably wouldn't even know what you're talking about. Hmm. Uh, there's a movie from maybe four or five years ago that I would describe as Montana Gothic. Uh, it's directed by a fellow named Jim Comus Cole, who hasn't done anything since – and it's called Three Priests. Uh, and the main draw for Three Priests uh, are Michael Parks and Wes Studi, who I think turn in some of the performances of, of their careers uh, in this movie. Olivia Hussey is also in it. And, ah, mm. um, and the point of Three Priests, uh, it's it's a very kind of Old Testament-y, Cain and Abel kind of story. Uh, and a lot of it is about young these young actors, none of are really good, unfortunately, uh, getting caught up in, uh, a Cain and Abel kind of situation. And the moral of the story is if that happens, your, your family will get destroyed in a wildfire. Uh, and so the comeuppance there's this Old Testament, um, Revenge kind of visited on this family where this this internecine murder has happened, uh, and there's an amazing scene in it where Michael Parks is, is is raging theologically about how we are not lost in the stars on a godless rock, and that's even the dialogue. Like any movie, that it's almost like a Cormac McCarthy bit uh, that would give an actor. <laughs> Just dialogue that dramatic. Uh, and he pulls it off. Uh, Michael Parks, uh, you know, I know he's been in a lot of Quentin Tarantino things. He's in Kill Bill. All that stuff is all good and well. But to really see what this guy can do, uh, I, I, I recommend Three Priests. So my favorite comeuppance is uh, your family getting eaten up in a wildfire if uh, one ber- brother murders another.
3: Family getting eaten. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> what was the crime again?
1: The, the uh, uh, frat- fratricide. The go
3: downance. Okay. The go downance. That's a ph. Frat. Okay. Who's it's, turn? What is your number three pick for? <laughs> How <laughs> do you follow that? <laughs> three priests yep. from Tom.
2: Uh, all right, kids. I'm going to go more conventional. Um, mm. The I think Tom is going to take one of my. Uh, Runners up. Uh, I'm going to leave it for runner up. I'm going to go more conventional, and num- my number three is the the um, the uh, quote I would give would be "It's coming around."
3: <laughs> <laughs> What's that got to do with "Come Up and Sonar"? Uh, uh, so is it like around the mountain? Like an song? No, it's it's very simple. It's, I know it, what this is. is. I know what it is. Coming
1: around. I got but it. It's in a uh, Road Warrior when the feral kid throws his boomerang and Toadie goes running after it to catch it. He says it's coming around, and he's going to catch the boomerang, and it no, cuts there, his fingers off.
2: There's an earlier line that says, "What comes around goes around," and then uh, and then the the main character is running by his love interest, and he says it's coming around. Um, so of course this would be uh, my my third favorite come comeuppance is from the original. Uh, From 19... What year is it? (laughs) Grandpa!
3: I smell, Grandpa, got so in white. Bad Grandpa. I think
2: it's eighty four. Did you? I didn't write it down. Uh, it's from the nineteen eighty four Karate Kid, and it's when Johnny. <laughs> oh, good lord! When Johnny gets
3: <laughs> that's not conventional.
2: When jo- yeah, when Johnny gets the crane kick in the face, of course that's good. Oh, this comeuppance of. Uh, he says little,
3: it's coming around before he does the kick. That's all.
2: No, well, that. that's that's during the, the earlier. It's an earlier thing where for oh, oh, okay. Johnny, that's not the comeuppance. No, the so come up is at the end, of course, where he he doesn't say it kick. He, he delivers the crane kick to to Johnny. that be Smith. telegraphing it. Okay, is this but the he, one
1: with the girl in it in the lead?
2: The, there is a girl in the Elizabeth movie.
1: Elizabeth Shue. Oh, oh, it is Elizabeth. Isn't it a very young Elizabeth Shoe, Is that right, Dingus?
2: Oh it's, yeah, it's Elizabeth stupid. Shue, and she plays soccer, and she's so oh, hot. Oh
1: my whoa, 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 Dingus! Inappropriate! Inappropriate! My friend. I'm sorry. She's a love interest
3: in a movie. She's probably like 14, Dingus. Dude, she's playing 14. That's fine. I think she's 38
2: <laughs> You can do anything to a woman.
3: Besides, it's karate. Wait, what was Ralph Macchio? It's karate.
2: Or is that Mickey or any? Uh, Ralph Macchio is Danny, of course. And, Danny.
3: Uh, Noonan. Nuccio. That was it. Wasn't good. it? Yeah. Ralph Macchio plays Danny Nuccio.
2: And uh and so it's it's you know just him kicking Johnny in the face with his crane kick. Because his leg is damaged because Johnny keeps going after his knee.
1: Huh.
3: His leg was damaged, Tom. The director karate but, kid. Anyone have note? Uh it was Daniel Alvaldson. Joe it was, Alv- It's John. Joe Come on. <laughs> right, right, John, right. Daniel, Daniel you know, John Alvaldson.
1: All right, Kelly Run, what is your number three uh, favorite comeuppance from the movie? Nate Rocky. Zapped? I have two.
2: Oh. <clears throat> Wait, it's Danny LaRusso. It's not Danny Nunez. What are you talking about? It's Danny LaRusso.
1: There's an actor named Danny Nucci in Titanic. Is that what you're thinking of? Oh,
0: kind
2: of? I know Danny Nucci. Yeah, he's good.
3: Danny Nunez, the Caddyshack uh, debutante. Mm. Remember the <laughs> Later Irish- that same day. Thanks for nothing. Remember when she says that? Irish. My number three comeuppance in a movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) is from the movie Runaway Bride in which Julia Roberts has to marry Richard Gere for running away all the other times from her other husbands. So she has to finally get married and not run. She's chained to the altar. And that's her comeuppance? Yeah. Is the
1: runaway bride finally getting married? Yep. That'll
3: show her. She's a runaway wife. Is that what happens in the sequel? It's not the same characters as Pretty Woman, except for James and Alexander's. Kelly my number two
1: favorite uh, comeuppance. <laughs> That's what I meant, is what's yours. If Three Priests was a kind of a Cain and Abel Old Testament style story, oh, wow. this would be more like a Greek tragedy. <sighs> uh, about, Ah. And you don't even know that it's a Greek tragedy when you first start watching it. When you first start watching it, you think it's a... Uh, uh, heist um, a, nope, uh, no. a Heist Gone Wrong movie. A Greek one, though. Nope, not even Greek. Just Heist Gone Wrong. It's uh, Ethan Hawke and Philip Seymour Hoffman. They're going to do a heist, and whoops, it gets screwed up. But yeah. what, what happens over the course of Before the Devil Knows You're Dead is it becomes a, a Greek tragedy about a father's neglect towards his son coming back to haunt him. Um, and I guess the crime here would be uh, this is kind of a spoiler. Uh, so if fratricide is killing a brother, what do you call it when you kill a, a child who's fully grown, who's no longer an infant? Is there a word for that?
3: Infanticide. No, because he's not no? an infant anymore. <laughs> What's the word for that? Kidicide. Adulticide? No, because he's not killing – well. Uh, at
1: any rate, we'll just call it um,
3: – Murder. <laughs> Murder
1: side. Murder. But actually, everybody in, in this movie uh, – the, the movie is about a series of bad decisions that all the characters make, and they, they spin out into various tragedies for, for each of them. Um, so uh, the comeuppance on, a again, a more theological level that's a moral cause and effect in the universe is pretty much everyone's fate in Before the Devil Knows You're Dead.
3: Hmm. You have a lot of theological comeuppances.
2: I, I didn't see that one coming. That's good.
3: Cameron, have you ever seen that movie, by the way?
2: If you don't well, see I don't movies with the
3: devil. About in. the devil knows. I want to know what he doesn't know. This is
2: like a good version of The Counselor.
3: Hmm. Do you hear that, Tom? I do. I'm not I'm a going a to it it. By uh, John Avildsen, courtesy of Ingus. <laughs> uh,
1: the the guy who did the script is this. Uh, Sidney Lumet directed it. The guy who wrote the script, I, th- I think his name is Kelly Masterson, uh, is a, a theology student. Huh. There. How about that? Mm. So he was born to write. Well, and his next movie is based on some sort of a comic book, and it's directed by a Korean fellow. It's called Snow Piercer. Right. Scene. <laughs> Wait, what was the comeuppance, or was that a- pretty much the f- everyone's everyone's <laughs> the, comeuppance? The cast. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, cast. I look forward to seeing how you express that.
2: I'm I'm right. putting Tom's number one in, in an envelope right now. I'm writing it down.
1: It's pretty easy, dingus. I know. All right. Is it a... Uh, no,
2: don't do it. Zip.
1: Dingus give what give us the number two instance of someone karate kicking someone else in the face. All Take right. that face.
2: Here's a line from it. You understand literature, movies, wine, but you don't understand my plight.
1: dingus <laughs> So it could have gone two ways as you were saying the line, and one of the ways could have been uh, the squid and the whale, maybe a reference to a Philistine. But as you finished the line, I realized instead... Uh, that it was. Can I guess the movie? Good. That it, it's an awesome little bit from Sideways. Indeed, it is. Now, uh, does it come up and involve a motorcycle helmet? Because that's theme. It,
2: it is. It absolutely. Oh. It's a motorcycle helmet in keeping with the theme of the counselor. It is. Uh, it is Tom, Thomas Hayden Church being beaten over the head with a motorcycle helmet aware. because he's a, a <laughs> terrible little boy.
1: Uh, and who's doing the beating? Because it's kind of oddly hot in a weird, uncomfortable way
3: to me. Maggie Cho? No. Oh, Jesus. Really? <sighs> Karen Sidecraft.
2: It's Sandra Oh. Stop it.
3: Sandra oh. Right. She is so mad.
2: Oh, she's, she's so-, so mad. She just beats the crap out of him with that motorcycle helmet. And I love that. I love that. He's just like – he's just such a little boy just going around, running around, and just – he doesn't care about the consequences of what he's doing. And he just gets beaten senseless with his motorcycle helmet, and he has to, like, live for the rest of the movie with his face looking like he's been beaten up by a motorcycle.
1: Yeah, but it's because they wrecked the car, Dingus. It's not – it's nothing to do with being beaten. They accidentally got in a car wreck, you see.
2: Oh, I I understand. (laughs) I understand. And
1: hers is sideways. (laughs) Oh. See, uh, you made me think of, of Thomas Hayden Church and Elizabeth Shue in Don McKay. That- ah. Oh, ouch.
3: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Pound. <laughs>
2: oh my gosh.
3: <laughs> See? Where oh, well, there's a comeuppance, <laughs> there's a shoe. Oh, <laughs> huh, guys. Yep. Joey, uh.
2: well, so anyway, put- what I, what I really wanted to do and I couldn't really do it was think of, um, protagonists that got in their comeuppance, and and I just couldn't I couldn't a
1: supporting away. character basically you're saying
2: yeah uh, instead of like like you said it's it's easy to, to think of like villains getting smacked in right, right. Uh, but I couldn't do that so go ahead. moving on
1: all right Kellywan what is your number two instance of comeuppance, maybe where someone who's normally run away from a wedding actually has
3: to get married something along those lines maybe you got no some. this one's cosmic like yours a little bit ah okay. Because my number two is from a movie, I'll do a line from it, <clears throat> We Are Not Alone. Communion. with Endatar. No, the other one with, uh, not Bruce Stern. Um, Richard Dreyfus. Lucas, yeah. <laughs> You're talking about Close Encounters of the Third. Bob Balaban.
1: Yes. What's what's Bob Balaban's comeuppance in that?
3: Oh, no, not him. I meant the kid.
1: Oh, uh, uh, not Mikey. What's the ice cream? Barry, Barry. Yeah, what's his,
3: Barry. What's his comeuppance? Uh, he gets thrown back by the aliens for uh, being a mama's boy. <laughs> if you're gonna cry, kid, and be all homesick,
1: yeah. land at uh-huh. Devil's uh, Tower in wherever that is, North Dakota, and just drop
3: you off. We're gonna make someone else's block orange. Do they say that? Yeah, well, it's... they say it in cosmic. If you know, if you turn on the subtitles, uh, it says that. You can hear that. Also, that's what the five notes mean. <laughs> So, wait,
1: your comeuppance is Barry getting kicked off the mothership at the end of Close Encounters? Yeah, although
3: he might have not passed the physical, too. Hmm. <laughs> but those other guys were soldiers. It's not really fair. Plus, look how. Whatever. Fuck you, aliens. It was good, though. It's so, all right. Mm-hmm. It was
2: on the poster. Fuck you, aliens. <laughs>
1: Kelly Wan, do you remember the uh, – because I watched The Thing recently. Do you ah. remember the uh, – You because know, in, in Jaws, the, the line is, smile, you son of a – and it gets cut off. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what Kurt Russell's equivalent of smile, you son of a – is? Fuck you, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, as that part was coming up, I was like, I know he has some like last line to the alien before he throws the dynamite. I know, what? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> I
3: just love that it. Unless you count his last lines to Keith David later. Then he's not going, fuck you, Because there's uh, – exactly. Like I... But it's Steve David going, hey, you said fuck you, too, to me back there. That wasn't cool. Give me the bourbon. Then I right. would have known he was infected. Yeah, right. It would have been a dead giveaway. Right. Well, yeah.
1: I think even he says, well, oh, yeah, and fuck you, too. Like, I think there might have yeah. be some, like, like he's answering a question or something, yeah. or it's a
3: rejoinder. Uh, but, yeah, I love that little moment. Wait, it fuck you as the question, you mean, that the aliens ask him? The way the – the Close Encounters aliens talk through song.
1: It's almost like he, there's a, res, it's a response to say, well, and fuck you too, is as if there had been some previous exchange. Like that's the next thing he wants to add to the exchange. Um, when previously all we've seen is the aliens like under the floor and kicking up the floorboards and the tentacles are pulling the little detonator and, uh, so you'd think, you know, they've had this ongoing dialogue and that's how Kurt Russell wants to end it.
3: He should have said "fuck you too" to the chess computer and then poured bourbon into what's the guy's name? Blair. Uh, yeah, this thing.
1: Uh, all right, so <laughs> can I use that as comeuppance?
3: <laughs> what I just a said.
1: Might at the thing.
3: Uh, well, "fuck you too" is the comeuppance because that it's more of a psychological.
1: You know what it's not enough of a theological concept. So instead I'm gonna go with Plus
3: it survives. The so comeuppance so.
1: that uh, that Michael Stuhlbard gets for taking a bribe to change someone's grade yes. and it, it gives him cancer. And that the movie that's comeuppance. Yep. And, yeah, the, movie is, gets- yeah, and the movie is a serious man, uh, and it's all about the the entirety of the movie is all about what if there really was a moral cause and effect at work in the universe.
2: Um, right. If you see a tornado coming at the end of the movie, you know that's comeuppance. Yeah. Hmm. I knew, I just knew when Tom uh, set on this course that's a thing because I tried to make this work as well, but uh, but yeah, I couldn't do it.
1: Well, there's your protagonist getting. I mean, it's no kick to the face from Danny nu- Nunez or whatever. Danny Nunez. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Boise, you guys? What's wrong with Boise? Can we just Does talk about a, Boise for ten minutes? Let's talk about Boise.
3: The tornado will solve his cancer problem.
2: This no, I love right? I love this pick. This is perfect. It oh, is perfect.
3: See Sorry. Kelly Wand. Yeah, he that. Loves it. I, I lose.
1: It's, it's no close encounters. Time. It's not a guy getting kicked off a mothership. I grant you.
2: <sighs> it's a cosmic. It's a cosmic comeuppance. It's so perfect. When what about when you hear Tom talk about this at the
3: beginning? You know that's where he's going to go.
2: I mean, it's just perfect. Uh, Damn it.
3: But Job, but it wasn't a comeuppance. It was like a bet.
1: Don't like, think Jewish man is about the book of Job. It's about the other parts yeah, of it the is. Isn't it? Doesn't he appear to as a whirlwind yeah. to Job? Yeah, but that Job, that's just uh, the majesty of God.
2: But Job <laughs> makes the right choice at every turn.
1: Job yeah. would not change the Asian kid's grade to a, a passing grade.
3: Joe got a new wife and new kids, so did Michael Stuhlberg, or would he have, if... If he hadn't hadn't done things wrong,
2: he would have gotten a car, and you would have gotten a car, and I would have gotten a car.
1: Fortunately, Kelly Wand, I understand that uh, at some point in 2015, the Coen brothers will be releasing A More Serious Man, and they will answer these questions
3: (laughs) in the sequel. So if someone says embrace the mystery, they're a test. Don't embrace the mystery.
1: A more serious man. A seriouser man. <laughs> Kelly, what you're saying is mere surmisal. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, this this is, has been serious man humor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is your number one pick, Dingus? For That's out the out? nicest thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly.
2: here's, a, here's a quote from my number one. Uh, it looks like we picked up a stray. Better get another ice cream
3: cone. <sighs> Salt Precinct 13.
1: oh, oh. oh. Wait, no. I, I just want to mention this movie as often as possible. I doubt it's from... Is that from Orphan? No.
2: <laughs> Come up and say an Orphan?
3: <laughs> well, I don't know. Am I right, Dingus? Am I close?
2: It is not from Orphan, no.
3: Ice cream on the phone. Was that the quote? It
2: looks like we picked up a stray. Better get another ice cream cone. Oh, all
1: right, Cone. Oh, I know what this is, Dingus. It's from the spaceship battle at the end of Phantom Menace, where those little things latch onto the anakin's ship right those yeah, little absolutely. robots that latch on the ship and that's what he says to over comms to red
2: five yeah they're, they're, called, they're, they're called they're <laughs>
1: called
3: just like cameron diaz's uh Diggs, i don't think i've seen this movie <laughs> <laughs> tom i said something awesome and you're dumb for not <laughs> that is
2: her name her name is awesome i think minox is great
0: <laughs> yeah i don't
3: understand I'm lost. Because uh-huh.
2: she had a name like Mark Cofla or something, and Minoc is just, just a
3: name. And Minoc was on the windshield. You guys in your Star Wars humor, whatevs. <laughs> Tom doesn't understand. Yeah, Kelly, uses just me for the rest
1: of the least, At least, by the way, at least she got a
3: name. It's so funny to me that Tom didn't get it. <laughs> I only understand theological comedy. Her name was Malkina. Well, Keena, but the mental
2: image of the one, Kelly. You. Son.
3: What's say?
0: <laughs>
3: it's like Charles. Oh,
0: Kelly. <laughs> right on oh Kelly.
2: My number um. one is from a movie called Running Scared, and um, the the uh, come up is, is to the couple Dez and Adele.
3: Which uh, one's Billy? Still again.
2: Neither. Um, uh, Des and Del uh, are these awful people who kidnap children. Um, is tell,
1: tell, tell Kelly Wand who plays the couple, because he'll, he'll respond to one of them, I think. Uh,
2: well, it's uh, – Des, Des is played by an actor named Bruce Altman, and uh, <gasps> Adele is Elizabeth Mitchell. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? <laughs> How old – it's her lost period. It's not that. <laughs> um, so anyway, I just i i when I was thinking about come up, so I was thinking about that moment where uh, where uh, where Farmiga, Thank you, Vera Farmiga uh, rescues uh, Oleg. And then like sends him out and takes care of this couple. in a way that I did not think, I didn't think that was going to happen in the movie. I didn't think, I mean, this movie is uh, running scared is really a great movie. It's who's the, is it Wayne Kramer? Is that who directed it? Yep.
1: South African named Wayne Kramer. He did the cooler. Then he did running scared. And since then he has done two awful
2: movies. Yeah. Uh, But it's really good. And it, really surprises me on many levels and this moment where uh, where she rescues Oleg and then the couple who trap these kids, get their comeuppance is just shocking to me, I mean the whole scene is shy the whole the whole branch of the movie, it feels like the movie branches into this weird sort of Zed's dead kind of moment um, I,
3: I just love that kids get comeuppance <laughs> got it <laughs> For once, I tried to listen. <laughs> All
1: right. Kelly what? what is your number one pick for comeuppance?
3: My number one pick for comeuppances is from another movie. I'll do a quote from it.
0: <clears throat> I, the Jedi, have returned.
3: <laughs> so, of course, Luke Skywalker's and the movie Star Wars Episode three, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Where Vader gets his comeuppance, and he pays the Piper for blowing up Alderaan by being burned alive, while furry savages caper and screech and eat his body, while his ghost has to watch alongside the ghost of another guy.
2: This is your category, you know that, right? It's comeuppance.
3: It's my number one. Kelly, <laughs> what do the readers have for their submissions for comeuppances? Fred and Linn are back in the hizzy. Number three. Mrs. John McLean punches the reporter in the face for his douchebaggery at the end of Die Hard. William Atherton. That's who plays the reporter. No, I think Fred wrote. Oh. Um, (laughs) But also, she does it again in Die Hard 2. So, Mm. in a way, it's double comeuppance. It's It's a come tuppence. Yeah. See? Dingus gets it. Number two, Walter ruins the nihilist's. Is it nihilism or nihilism?
1: Uh, I I guess it depends, doesn't it?
3: It's an ethos. (laughs) In the bowling alley parking lot for being nihilists in the Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah, because they beat him up. That's a comeuppance. Number one, Superman teaches the truck driver a lesson at the diner. (laughs) 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 Take that, asshole. (laughs) Isn't it weird to come up and say, like, Superman can't beat him? That's the whole point, is that
1: oh, he resists yeah. from doing it personally and he just takes it out on the poor guy's truck.
2: It's a, it's sort of a passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> for Superman, that, that's what for passive the, aggressive let the air out of your tires.
3: <laughs> no, they're talking about Superman 2. Oh,
2: sorry. I thought they were Wait, talking what? about Wait, what? Superman. Superman
3: teaches the truck driver a lesson at the diner at the end of Superman 2. I thought they were talking about Man of Steel. Yeah,
1: that's a way uh, talking
3: about a real Superman
1: movie. It's not only is it a way better one, it's more it's more recent and therefore relevant.
3: No, he totally fucking killed that dude. He kills a truck driver in Superman 2? At the end with a cash register. It's awesome. What? what? No.
1: Oh, because he got beat up when he lost his powers and then he gets yeah. it back and
3: oh, it's so trite. Cuz that guy want to make a porno with Lois in his camper. Or was that Mr. T in Rocky 3? Paul Weimer writes, I suspect that my number one is going to be scooped by Kelly, most likely. Uh, I doubt it, Paul. Number three in King- <laughs> Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Ridley Scott, Brendan Gleeson's Reynald de Chatillon gets his comeuppance at the end of his sword for inciting war and conflict between the Christians and the Muslims for the entirety of the movie. You know paul,
1: Paul's paul got that history degree that he's putting to work here.
3: Yep. That finally was settled at the end of the Crusades, that Christian-Muslim issue. <laughs> comeuppance finally given. Number two, in Pan's Labyrinth, Captain Vidal finally gets killed by the rebels. Oh, but – well, go on. Sorry. Well, he doesn't say
1: how. Says I think Martin. the bigger comeuppance is the, the last line he hears before he dies when he says to the, the rebels, you know, tell my son uh, I – I did it all for him. And the woman says, he'll never even know your name. Yeah. That's awesome. That's an awesome yeah. moment. And Paul just, Paul, come on. Paul, a little less history, a little more drama.
3: <laughs> but then he's dead. So it's not like he's going to dwell on it. Is that an Elvis song? <laughs> Number one, in treating Places, the Duke brothers get their comeuppance at the hands of Aykroyd and Murphy by them pulling off an orange juice scam. <laughs> i remember that iconic film. (laughs) Third act. (sighs) It's really good. Hilarious and good, equally. Aaron Flax, Flashpart, Flaxpart, L.A. Conf... Wait, i got to do three. Number three, Annie Hall. While waiting to see Sir in the Pity, Albie can't bear the vapid and loud pedantry of the man in the line behind him. (laughs) So then he gets Marshall McLuhan. He goes, I heard what you're saying. You know nothing of my work. But you got to teach a class in anything. It's totally amazing. <laughs> <That> <laughs> is- the whole
2: fallacy is wrong.
3: <laughs> i bet Tom wishes he could do that with me at movies. If I had a nickel for every time. Number two, girl with the dragon tattoo. oh being- uh,
2: okay. I don't know. I don't like the word come comeuppance now.
3: All right, yeah, Aaron, are you sure you want to do this?
1: All right, go ahead, Kelly.
3: Wand. She just says what it is. Should I, do it? should I read it or yeah I spoil yeah that? no give it to after us. after being horrifically raped by your legal guardian Nils Bierman, Elizabeth Salander returns to his apartment, tazes and blackmails him in tattoos "I am a sadist pig and a rapist" on his torso. But see, is that last part a comeuppance for him because he likes that stuff? Just a label. Number one, L.A. Confidential: the corrupt Captain Dudley Smith shoots Detective Jack Vincenzo. Vincennes? Vincennes. It's Vincennes. Jacques Vincennes, who delivers the last words, Rollo Tomazzi, with a faint smile. Later, Smith asked Detective Exley who Rollo Tomazzi is. one. <laughs> it's a good thing Kevin Spacey didn't deliver the last line to you because you would have screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: movie would have made any sense to <laughs>
1: If I'm going to use a code phrase say. when I die, Kellywan, I'm not going to do it to you.
2: I'm going to say Tyrannosaurus Rex.
1: <laughs> Give us that name again one more time, Kellywan. What oh, is wait. that?
3: Roland. Oh, wait. I'm on the wrong one. Go ahead. Let's hear it again. Roland <laughs> it means Rolla Tomaso. Tomaso. Schlamazel. Close enough.
2: Schlamazel. <laughs> yeah. Court,
3: yeah. Uh, Smith walks away. Captain Dudley Smith, that is, Tom, says they can't pronounce names. Got that one perfectly. <laughs> Assuming Elksley Ac- Ac- will do nothing, but Elksley shoots him in the back. Uh, it's roller Tomasi. It's like... Uh... <laughs> yes. Duncan Palmer writes... Sorry if this is a bit late, but I'm not sure when you gents record the podcast. Man, does Duncan really take that tone of voice with us? Yeah. God, that guy. Holy cats. <laughs> Sorry. He <laughs> needles us cruelly. Number three. He chose poorly. Indiana Jones and the <laughs> Last Crusade. Never trust someone who switches sides as easily as El- Elisa. Isn't it Elsa? Yeah, it's Elsa. It's Rolo. <laughs> See, I may not know how to say things correctly.
2: So wait, is his come up with Elsa or is it uh, Julian
3: Glover? It says never trust someone. <laughs> Sorry. Who switches side as easily as Elisa does when it comes to your drinking vessel of choice? Uh,
1: who's who? Who is it that chose poorly, Dingus? Is the, the he chose poorly? The the ancient knight dude says that when somebody drinks from one of the
3: cups, right?
2: Right, it's uh, I forget what the name of the character is, but it's played by Julian Glover. I mean, okay, it's the guy, it's the dude.
3: The, and does the, does the blonde chick is a random one? Does the
1: blonde chick drink one, from one of the cups, or doesn't she fall down a pit or something?
2: She falls down a pit because she she keeps reaching for it, and he's like let it go, and,
3: and he's all oh, got right, the background right. right. Number two, you know no. who would have been really good in that movie besides Allison Duty, Twain Johnson. <laughs> no.
0: Allison Duty, I love Allison Duty.
3: He would have weighed way too much, and he would have, Harrison Ford would have lo, lost his grip, like, way sooner. He I love Carrie Dange, Dange. Her line readings are so awesome. She's, get this school, bye. <laughs> she's so horrible. She talks in her sleep, though, Dingus.
2: Mm, I know. I was the, uh, what, what is, is uh, like, uh, the next guy? I was the next guy.
3: I prefer her way. I'll have what she's having. <laughs>
2: This is how Austrians say good, uh, goodbye. This Listen, is a job at saying goodbye. nothing.
3: Uh, at least you guys aren't doing Star Wars talk, I'll say that much. All <laughs> I have to do is scream Adolf Hitler, PH. Melvin, I'll Bill and I'll Ted's squeeze. bogus. Tom? Uh, yeah, I missed that, yes. Melvin, Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Chuck DeNomolos may be a genius from the future. Oh, I thought he was—he meant death getting a Melvin. But his downfall is trying to talk logically about time travel with a couple of idiots. So that's what he's getting comeuppance for. Mm-hmm. He has no defense against the simple-minded ideas and enthusiasm of the two heroes. So that's his comeuppance. He's mm-hmm. trying to talk logically. Number one, God creates dinosaurs. Woman well, inherits Earth. I left out a couple parts. Uh, <laughs> Come on. God creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs eat the earth. <laughs> the whole damn film is one great poke at man's eternal hubris when it comes to taming nature. If you're someone who seeks control in this film, your life expectancy is decidedly short. So that since comeuppance is not living long. What the movie, movie. Uh, Jurassic Park, uh the lawyers come up
0: as, yeah but right?
3: you a cowardly lawyer or overconfident hunter see overconfidence mm-hmm. is also bad mm-hmm. or, or we're still a computer programmer mm. you'll get yours
1: Tom uh Jurassic Park definitely takes place on a larger theological
2: scale that's true definitely
1: michael Crichton that 's what he was all about, and a paleontological scale
2: mm. president didn't choose congo.
1: <sighs> laura uh no uh that comet hoped. wait hope davis is she the one that shoots monkeys with lasers in that movie not hope Lenny. davis laura linney laura, laura linney, linney huh.
3: shooting monkeys with a laser yeah in movie studio makes animatronic monkey dinosaur inherits the earth
2: <laughs> police baffled by headless body <laughs>
3: <laughs> philip torta writes creep show the, lonely, the lonesome death of Geordi Verrill, Stephen King disobeys his ghost dad and takes a bath after touching a meteorite, Wait. getting him into a suicidal plant, man. So
1: that's the comeuppance that he goes with from Creepshow. All those like early EC comics about people <laughs> having terrible fates, and he comes up with the boring old Stephen King touched a meteorite one.
3: Well, yeah, because his sin was disobeying his ghost dad. <sighs> Philip Torta. All right. Okay. <laughs> Taking a bath was his comeuppance. Like Leslie Nielsen sleeping with Ted
1: Danson's wife. That right there? Or no, or vice G. G. Marshall versa. Marshall.
3: Vice versa, I screwed it up. E.G. Um, Marshall killing the cockroaches in his blunder.
1: Or what, is, uh, what does Adrian Barbeau get eaten by the monkey for? What did she do? Is she just a shrew? Is that what happened? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, dirty work. Bob Saget. 98. He didn't list the director of the number three, but with dirty work, you gotta, you gotta know. Rude and insulting theater manager Don Rickles gets his comeuppance when Norm McDonald. <laughs> wow. It I doesn't... like it. ...at Artie Lang. Oh yeah. I guess it does happen. Switch the movie reel for a packed showing, changing the movie to men in black who like to have sex with each other. We all remember that one. That's where he really gets it. Insulting
1: manager. Uh, I can't help but think of uh, all the little kids who got their comeuppance s- at the
3: movie theater where Tyler Durden worked in Fight Club. <laughs> Take that, Bourne. Number one, Dogville. The entire town of Dogville gets their just desserts for abusing Grace when Grace's gangster father shows up and murders everyone in the town. No, that me- one. Okay, go ahead. Have you seen Dogville?
1: Are you okay with Dogville? Do you know that one?
3: Mm, I started watching uh Melancholia, but the comment was taking forever. <laughs> it's not a comment. That's, an, <laughs> that's, that's no comment. comment. <laughs> I'm sorry, I would admit to say that's no
1: comment. Oh, oh Tom. Then yes, I've seen it. <laughs> Is it good? Uh I I have a kind of a soft spot for, for Dogville. Um it's no dancer in the dark, but uh there's I, I admire a lot of things about it. What was the sequel that uh had Bryce Dallas Howard? Um, the Village? <laughs> no. Spider-Man? It was, it was Lars von Trier. It was a sequel to Dogville. It was called something like Ariondax. Aer- you know,
3: yeah. Oh, it right.
1: Appalachia, maybe? Ted Gummett.
3: Hall oh. of Pounds.
1: All right. If you just know the answer, write us. Let me know what was the other just one. Just
3: write Tom. I don't give a shit what I'm with.
1: <laughs> All
3: right. So, okay, so that was Philip Tortas, right? Dan Edmonds writes, Hey, guys. Here are my picks for three best conferences. My number three is Shawshank Redemption. Warden Norton, played by Bob Gunton, finally gets who at the end of the movie. A corrupt warden, he uses Andy to launder money made from the public prison work program and orders the death of an inmate to keep Andy in prison. In the end, he commits suicide before the police get the chance to arrest him. See, is suicide ever a comeuppance, though? Because that was the comeuppance of uh, Billy Zane in, in Titanic, but it was like 20 years later. So he probably lived longer than like most of the other survivors, even. hmm you're not interested. Number two. My number two pick is Sling Blade. Dwight Yoakam plays an abusive drunk named Doyle Hargraves. <laughs> That's awesome. That's not his comeuppance, Tom. Doyle's unintentional <laughs> comedic performance won't save him from his fate at the hands of Carl and his sling blade. What are you doing with that lawnmower blade? I aim to kill you with it. Doyle nonchalantly answers Carl's question about how to call the police and even tells him to get an ambulance or a hearse if he planned on killing him. Carl gets up and gives Doyle two whacks to the head. His drunken guitar playing days are over. Tom? I think I remembered it a little differently. <laughs> My number one pick is from Gladiator. Ugh. See, I didn't think this was a either, because they both die.
2: I have, I watched Gladiator again this week.
3: Ha ha. You entertained?
2: <laughs> it did make me cry, though, I have to be honest. Hmm.
3: But I'm an, uh, easy, I'm an easy cry. What, the, the sex scene with Connie Nielsen? I don't want to talk about it. Commodus, played by Joaquin Phoenix, meets his demise by... What's his by name?
1: Commodus?
3: Commodus. It's, commo- it's Commodus? Commodius. Commodius. Rollo Tomassi. Maximus. The say Rollo, rollo Tomassi again, Kelly Wand. I want to hear how Roland, you pronounce it. Rolandus Tomaslin. Tomasrin. Tomastra. <laughs> Tomastra. <laughs> All right, so wait, I'm sorry, what's the guy killing <laughs> his father. He orders the death of Maximus and his family. At the end of the movie, Commodus fights Maximus and stabs him in the chest before the match in order to get a slight advantage no getting beat it was
2: poisoned wasn't it no he stabs him in the back but keep going
3: oh yeah you're right Dan getting beat by an injured man and betrayed by his guards Uh, Modius produces a blade and accidentally stabs himself in the neck with the help of Russell (laughs) Crowe Dan Cubitz or Cubits. Cubits, Dan cubits. Dan Cubits, sorry. Just one, here's a bit of dialogue. You'll be shot for this, and I don't think so. More like chewed out. I've been chewed out before. I'll be surprised if this one hasn't come up yet. The crimes. Jew hunting, blonde strangling, excessive smugness, misuse of American idioms. The at The swastika Aldo Reigns carves into Hans Landa's forehead at the end of *Inglorious Bastards, the most satisfying body modification I've witnessed on film. Your podcast is consistently amusing...
2: I'd like that he foregoes Hitler in
3: <laughs> Right, burning Hitler in a movie theater. Eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well that wasn't comeuppance, was it? It was just a bad <laughs> it was a bad showing. Yeah. It's a bad movie. Not *Glorious Bastards* but the sniper one. We got Dave Perkins writes we got our decisions by thinking of characters whose comeuppance was directly related to a personal flaw.
1: Hmm.
3: Can see, Kelly Wand, some people, Kelly Wand actually put thought in their picks, see? It's the we of we guided our decisions.
1: Uh, I think uh, Dave's wife, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay.
2: uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Perkins.
1: No, uh, Michelle, and she's a, what do you call a fancy horseback, a druselage? What do you call that fancy horseback riding?
2: Uh, she's one of those
1: people, I believe. Would you say it was called, druselage? Druselage, I, remember, I think it's one of the characters. From That's the what an airplane. Oh,
2: didn't we just see a movie with a quote about dancing horses? Oh, darn it. S- oh no, it's probably Parks and Rec. Never mind. Go ahead.
3: Dingus is TV. This is a podcast about people trying to remember a conversation. Never happened. Alright, so what do uh what do Dave and Michelle? Heard? Dave Perkins and Michelle Perkins write. Number three, the Doberman and Up gets his head stuck in the cone of shame. <laughs> <laughs> because of the foolish way he attacks Doug through a steering wheel. <laughs> Stupid Doberman. <laughs>
2: That's great.
3: (laughs) Number two, car salesmen are conniving, and Jerry and Fargo connives his way into a snowballing mess that culminates in a very frustrating ice-scraping scene and his subsequent arrest. Hmm. See, it's interesting what people take as why people deserve comeuppances, (laughs) because I would have thought the kidnapping his wife thing would have been the reason. (laughs) He deserves a comeuppance because he's a car salesman. But he's a car salesman. is his real crime. (laughs) The kidnapping was just part of... It, was, uh, it says something about Dave and Michelle, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. Dave writes, with Michelle's help, Harry moves in on Lloyd's crush in Dumb and Dumber, and Lloyd turbo-laxes his date. More of a come-outance, perhaps. That I don't theirs. remember. What does that mean? He puts a uh, laxative to, oh, okay. to Newsroom.
1: right?
3: Uh, you know what I thought was a Jim Carrey comeuppance was the number 23, but not Kick-Ass 2. I think Jim
1: say? Carrey comeuppance is a Ginny McCarthy.
3: Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. All right. right. David and Michelle. That, strong, that's because he was a car salesman at one point. Michael Ashley. Or a shyster of some kind. In keeping with Kelly's example of Uncle Owen, I tried for examples of good men suffering comeuppance for bad, if minor, decisions. Number three... Anton Chigurh, wait, <laughs> good man. Llewellyn Moss lets pride get the better of the no country for old men. His comeuppance is posthumous. Or the death. Number two, criminals aren't complicated, Alfred. We just need to figure out what he's after in The Dark Knight. Uh, hubristic rich man, Bruce Wayne, disregards the Joker as another thug out for gain and is taught a lesson in the incineration of the love of his life. I thought he just picked the wrong thing.
1: He didn't pick. He was misled. He was intentionally given the wrong address.
3: Yeah, but he knew he was dealing with, so he should have just gone, oh, it's the Joker. I'll just do the other thing. Mm. Mm. Kelly Wand, you would make a way better Batman. Yeah.
1: Can I hear your Batman voice, Kelly Wand?
0: Desu <sighs> talk too much. <laughs> uh,
1: can we go back with Christian Bale? Is that too late? Can we keep him as our Batman? Get out of my eye line, Kelly. One, can you give us a little bit of uh, Ben Affleck as Batman?
3: From a certain point of view, <laughs> <laughs> the Dark Wand. Uh, I forgot Affleck was even. We um, all did. Number one was Michael Ashley's uh, number one. <laughs> Wait, Old Boy is number one. So ah, actually, that's what I meant to say. Don't uh, don't don't read it. Don't give it away. Oh, okay. I'm not going to read it. There's
1: an old boy, uh the Spike Lee old boy, speaking of Llewellyn Moss with Josh Brolin is out uh I think in a few months from or within before the end of the year if I'm not mistaken.
3: There's two months left.
1: Mm. So does he give away what it is though? Yeah, November and December. No, the it's... comeuppance.
3: Oh. Um <laughs>
1: <laughs> who? Uh you mentioned uh who is it who picked uh old boys as number one?
3: Michael Ashley.
1: Michael Ashley, what does he say about it?
3: Oh, the hero of Old Boy is manipulated through. Well, see, then he, he says what it is. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't read that. Okay, I'm not going to read it, but because it's a good one, it's a great one, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's a good choice. I don't know if it's a comeuppance though. I mean, it wasn't like selling. He cons. didn't deserve it, right? Right. Bunny, the psych – honorable mention for dingus. Bunny, the psychotic terrier in Hudson Hawk is tricked into playing a 70 mile per hour game of fetch.
2: Bunny, ball, ball.
3: Ah, oh, Tom, did you hear that? I don't like it. I don't what like it. What are we it. doing next week? <laughs> Whose thing is it? Uh, well, oh, Brian yeah. Up.
1: Up. I, I always enjoyed, uh, uh, in Constantine, Canu Reeves flipping the bird to the devil. Uh, Peter mm. Stormari has come What's up. What's the comeuppance for, though? Well, you know, uh, Peter Stormari gets flipped the bird.
2: Oh. Uh, what being, about, when, what uh, about when he flips the bird to Agent Smith in uh, – <laughs>
1: He's had a lot. I think that's his, his best bird flipping is definitely. He gets come up for that by his mouth getting taken. Dingus, can you give us that line by the way from The Matrix when he flips Agent Smith the bird?
2: I don't. I don't know. I wasn't talking about that movie.
1: Wait, what were you talking about?
2: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs>
1: hmm. uh, well, Diggis, either entertain us with that or your, your Matthew McConaughey impression already. One or the other. Give us
2: one or the other. I'm happy to do that, Tom. I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, thing is, I can't
3: really answer it. Kill a mockingbird. Right uh,
2: my, my, uh, runner up would be, cause somebody mentioned something about a town getting its comeuppance or something like that. Uh, and it made me think of Stand By Me. And, uh, the pie eating contest and, uhm, Lardass getting... Uh, oh,
3: good lord. <laughs> sorry. Does this involve vomiting?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Jeez,
3: I, can, I guess I have seen Stand By Me. Okay, whatever. It, that's a Come Out and Too. <laughs> yeah, it is.
2: But uh, based on a story by Stephen King.
3: Based on a story in a story by Stephen King, as will Wheat, Wheat, Wheaton. Tom doesn't like it though because it's about vomiting.
1: Uh, I'm just not. I'm not a. You know, my Rob Reiner. Not a fan. I
2: can only take so many. Do you know who plays Stephen King in the movie?
1: Uh, is it is it the uh, the Sliders guy, uh, Jerry O'Connell?
2: No, who does the actual narration. There's a narration of the writer.
1: You like that... vomiting and spinal. Oh, oh, I, I maybe do. Is it John Malkovich? It is not John Malkovich. No. Right. What is the movie where John Malkovich is a narrator, and then we'll get back to yours, Dingus? Home Alone?
2: I have
3: no idea.
1: <laughs> All right, Dingus, who's the narrator in Stand By Me? Uh,
3: Richard Dreyfus. Oh, Richard Dreyfus. Oh,
1: good Lord. From Mr. Holland's opus?
3: <laughs> no, from John. <laughs> he sits in a car. I
1: like man. to think of him as from Piranha 3D. That's
3: first a good point,
1: point actually, yeah.
3: Oh, I watched the other one. The
1: piranha the Double D? Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing, there's no reason to watch that. It's awful. No,
3: I, I had a panabackers in a
1: Um Right. And yeah. And how much of her did you see Kelly Wand? Yeah, more, more than I've seen in a while. Okay. I don't even know who that is except that she's in Is she from Heroes or something? She was in Sky High, but she had red hair in it. I don't even know what that is. Is it about <laughs> stewardesses? <laughs> it's about superheroes. You know what what's the name of the Paula Patton movie about Stuartesses, Kelly Wand?
3: Uh, up there in the clouds? do you know what I'm talking about? Sky Fly. <laughs> I
1: have no idea what you're thinking. First Class. There's a recent Paula Patton movie, which I think is about stewardesses. It came out, like, a few weeks ago. No one- Device. I'm not googling it. I just am, I'm accessing my. <laughs> oh, I know,
2: I know what you're talking about. It's a, it has the horrible stand up in the movie theater we saw.
1: Yeah, Baggage Claim. Baggage,
2: oh yeah, Baggage uh-huh. Claim. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, claim. that stand up is so horrible. What a fun. Yeah, Kelly Wand.
1: Go see
3: Baggage Claim. Let us know if it's any good. Oh, is she in it? Yes, yes, she's the lead. Wouldn't mind putting a handle on the conveyor belt of those. Uh, you're
2: you're over the weight limit, Kelly Wand. All
3: right, are you guys ready for next week three by three?
2: Oh yeah.
1: Uh, I can't believe we haven't done this. Maybe it's uh, its kind of a softball. Um, but done those. Even talking about uh, before the devil knows you're dead made me think of this. We're, we're taking before the devil knows you're dead off the table, by the way. Uh, what do I want from your favorite movie siblings. Jesus Christ. Why are you going Jesus Christ? I don't know.
2: He—he was—was he somebody's brother?
1: He was an only child, Kelly. Wand Jesus Christ. So you.
2: <sighs> Christ. That's not actually uh, disputed. Isn't James his brother? <laughs>
1: Da Vinci Code taught me... Oh, right. Good point. Well, there Thanks. you go. Maybe Jesus Christ from Da Vinci Code. Fair enough. By the way, it's a spoiler about Da Vinci Code. Are you sure you're comfortable with that?
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: so. Tell you one, what's the spoiler from Angels and Demons,
3: the other Dan Brown book? Those aren't siblings. Those are opposites.
1: <laughs> uh, so I just want your favorite movie sibling. There's a lot to, to choose from there. Uh, <laughs> if you have any... Th- that's a spoiler, <laughs> by the way. If you have any picks, <laughs> do, uh three by three at quarter to three. <laughs> the number three, letter X, number three, at, and then you spell out quarter to three dot com. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at, at QT3. Um, and uh, join us here every week. Next week also, I forgot this, we are seeing, I guess, Ender's Game, right? Yay! Why are you going yay? I
3: don't know. Because he, he loves Johnson. Yeah it's got uh, a real actor in it for a change it's, all I, yeah Haley Stein so from Armageddon oh, yeah
1: all right so uh, we will be seeing that next week see it with us or not with us well actually you know it if you want sure see it with us or just see it and join us for this next week and uh, send us your picks for favorite movie siblings I am Tom Chick I've been joined by Christian Malinsky.
2: it's Christian
3: Moroski
1: and we also had the good fortune of having with us Kelly Wand
3: did triplets count like the Lander sisters <laughs>
0: La, la, la. Uh, i love this south choice. Of the border down mexico no way. away that's where i fell in love when the stars above came out to play and now as i wonder my thoughts ever stray, south of the border, down Mexico way, she was a picture. Tom, this podcast, I mean, Dingus, this podcast had no temperature. I think you
2: told me more than I wish to know.